Hi, this is a Conversations with Creatives podcast for Opus. Over the next two episodes, we'll be discussing the relationship between artists and materials. It's a profound connection. We transform these raw substances into complex aesthetic and emotional objects which operate at the highest level of human consciousness, stimulating senses, feelings and thoughts. But what is it about the products we use that elevates our creativity? Is there a certain tool that's become so integral to our unique process we couldn't imagine life without it? Or maybe we've discovered a new material that's unlocked a completely different perspective on our work. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Angela Fair, Chico Kerr and Misako Flodin delving into their passions for watercolour, mixed media and pastel. Angela Fair is a watercolourist and online art educator living in Dawson Creek, northern British Columbia. Largely self-taught, she has been painting since the age of 16 and has fallen in love with depicting her region. For Angela, landscape painting is not about showing where she lives, but about how she engages with the world around her. Since 2013, she's been sharing her passion through video lessons, inspiring and empowering a vast network of watercolour enthusiasts around the world. She believes a grounding in good technique will allow every student to embrace the enjoyment of a heart-led, intuitive painting style that is as unique as each of them. My name is Angela Fair. I am primarily a watercolorist. I don't like to be stifled by a narrow palette, um, just having, you know, a dozen colors that I mix from. Um, I actually have a palette sprayed over beside me here with over 60 colors in it. Uh, I like trying different brands. Uh, I like mineral pigments that have the sedimentary and granulating characteristics. Uh, because watercolor is a medium that uh, water is in the name, it it um, moves across the paper because of the water. And so uh, I can't just play with color. I also have to um, bring water into my practice, um, working with colors that flow and having a lot of fun with that. The paper is really important to watercolor. Um, I've learned that uh, different papers affect the way the paint and water move. And so I've, you know, had an experience, of, I've made uh, time in my practice to try out different types of paper, different surfaces. And um, I played a little bit with UPO, which is kind of that plasticky surface and uh, those synthetic surfaces that allow for more flow. But I always come back to 100% cotton paper uh, that I just uh, have the most fun with and feel like it it's the most forgiving of what watercolor does. Uh, I like to play with br different brushes so that I get different mark making uh, abilities. And um, I love the way watercolor can be very tactile. So I believe a beautiful process creates beautiful paintings and I want my supplies to be beautiful as well. As a painter learning watercolor in the 90s, I didn't have a lot of finances to invest, you know, at $100 into a brush. Uh, and so I worked with what was available. And as a new painter, I, I felt like I was learning control, uh, learning how to control watercolor. And so synthetic brushes uh, have a little more snap, a little more um, stiffness to them. And I felt like it was much more controllable. 
when I bought my first Kolinsky sable brush, I hated it because it was so much, the natural hair was so much softer. Uh, I was a little harder on my synthetic brushes. So I wore the tip down on that sable brush pretty much right away. And uh, I just thought, I don't know what the, all the fuss is about. Uh, but over the years, I've realized that uh, I get a lot of joy out of letting the brush do a lot of the work for me. I often think my ethic of um, how I want my paintings to look now and what excites me the most is the same as if you're walking across the beach and you find a spray of um, driftwood and shells that looks like almost artistic in the way it's laid out and yet you know the waves cast it on the shore. Uh, I love that idea of having an organic look that almost um, doesn't seem like a human touched it at all. And I'm drawn more and more to that in my paintings. So I want brushes that help me do that. They do more of the work. So I get to be less um, controlling uh, of the process. The paper should be almost be like a comfort zone. Uh, you want that foundation of this feels intuitive to me. And for me with paper, um, there are just, certain papers that have that intuitive feel uh, with, I, and maybe it's my long, my long history working with Arsh, for example, which is um, one of the most common brands of watercolor paper. They've been around 500 years. Um, so they're very consistent in what they, what, uh, the paper they make. Uh, I've used it for so long. Um, the, I, I noticed the heavier weight, the 300 pound paper uh, is easier to work with, I think, than the 140, just it, changes the drying time. And so there feels like there's this sense of intuition about what's going to happen when my brush touches the paper, when that water starts to flow. There's these little light bulb moments that happen and they're usually the moments where I do something I didn't think I was allowed to do or something that invites me to be more free in my painting practice. And so I, when I go to art supply stores now, I frequently avoid the watercolor section and I end up in another area of the store looking for something that can open up my watercolor practice. If it's a new tool, something I can scrape into the paint maybe, or um, I remember discovering graphite powder and I bought this big jar of it and it was spilling it onto my paper and moving it around with water. And so just looking for different things that I can use to expand my practice. When I was first learning to paint, I remember discovering that if you sprinkled salt into a wash, it would create texture. Um, who knew that, you know, 20 plus years later, I'd be looking for more ways to make more texture happen in my paintings. And, uh, you know, salt still shows up in my paintings from time to time in my washes. Most of the time, if I'm regretting anything, it's having not risked enough in my painting and having played it safe and tried to do something I've done before. I found a white ink that was really fun to work with. I think it's a cartoonist's ink made for like, I don't know, manga or something. I was working on a large, a really big watercolor painting. It was about four feet by two feet. And, you know, for painting that large, very few watercolor artists do it. We have to buy paper by the roll in order to paint that large. And um, it takes us doing a lot of stepping back and viewing the painting from a distance. And it also means uh, you're less likely to want to start over if the painting starts to get too dark or muddy. And so bringing in that white ink um, and diluting it, letting it flow, um, that was really exciting. It uh, created further, deeper layers in my painting. Um, I also discovered recently um, working with stencils to um, 
whereas a lot of um, acrylic painters might use a stencil to layer paint on their painting uh, through the stencil and create a pattern with watercolor the paint wants to bleed through a stencil so lifting out um, with uh, like a magic eraser or something to remove color um, with the stencil that's been really fun and exciting to try it brings in a new element of texture that um, I found really enjoyable and uh, it almost feels like weaving on the paper. I'm weaving in these different layers and that's been, yeah, really, really interesting. And I'm curious about where that's going to take me. As an artist, uh, I used to never understand what people would talk about when they would talk about being interested in the process more than the product, more than the outcome of their, of their painting. Um, but what I've realized is that if I can create a beautiful process that's intuitive, that allows me to be myself as I'm painting, my outcome is going to reflect that level of connection that I had. And so having beautiful tools, things that feel like they're mine, uh, having that sense of ownership um, or belonging. Um, that's really important to me, having a sense of excitement about what I'm what I'm working with. I'm a real fan of Daniel Smith watercolors. Uh, I love the way they use a lot of mineral based pigments and uh, the different fascinating mixtures of color that they sell. But um, there's certain colors they don't have. Uh, there's a manganese violet that's made by Schmincke um, that I just can't get enough of. Um, Sennelier has a blue that I love called Scenarius Blue. And so I love bringing those in and giving myself permission to use whatever colors inspire me. Choosing um, the things that work best uh, feel right to to you as an artist. I think we should encourage other artists to trust themselves uh, in that area. Um, no matter you know whether you're a new artist or you've been painting for a long time, um, to have that freedom to make up your own mind on what's going to work for you. And I think also never to rule anything out. I have brushes today that I use um, that I I didn't enjoy using for five or 10 years. And then one day I was like, oh, I'm going to try that brush again. And it felt like the perfect thing. So uh, I never closed the book on, you know, what, what material or tool is going to be right for this painting today. Uh, I just uh, love this whole idea of experimenting and, you know, anything goes for, for my paintings. Over the past 35 years, visual artist and social activist Tico Kerr has established himself as a prominent voice in Canadian contemporary art. His artistic practice includes bold explorations into painting, collage, drawing, printmaking, murals, performance and set design, all the while considering the politics of perception. Through his latest body of work, entitled Plexus, he's exploring the contemporary uses and meanings of plexiglass, as well as the emotive force of colour and abstract form as they describe living in our current climate. Chico recently completed a 5,000 square foot outdoor mural at the BC Children's Hospital's Sunny Hill Health Centre while directing Undetectable, a documentary about the social impact of viruses such as HIV and COVID-19. My name is Tico Kerr. I'm a visual artist living in Vancouver. I uh, like to adapt my work to the circumstances of the times that are happening around me. And since COVID, I've been embracing plexiglass as a material. Um, and I'm finding that uh, the reflectivity, the metaphors of it being a barrier it allows me also to consider 
how when we look through things in our political discussions, uh, there are impediments to what we consider to be the truth. And so on a number of levels, it's turning out to be a very um, productive metaphor that I'm dealing with, with Plexi. I'm, I'm painting, I'm doing paper collage, I'm doing all sorts of things, anything that'll basically stick to plexiglass. Acrylic paint works beautifully. And, and since uh, the piece is, um, the pieces are framed completely all the way around. Um, the mediums are um, guaranteed to be um, stable. I, I also am really interested in um, oil pastel, that sort of thing as well, but they don't have the same sort of stick that I like when it comes to Plexi. Materials are essential to how I work. Um, here in my studio, I probably have about six different stations where in one station I'll work on uh, cutting up collage, paper collage, another I'll, I'll work in oils, another I'll work in um, acrylics, another I'll be drawing, another will be relief printing, that sort of thing. And uh, through the course of my day, I'll work uh, in on different stations for two or three hours. And when I get a little tired, I'll move on to the next. So. What's interesting is that the work evolves over a period of say a number of weeks or months with some sort of synchronicity, despite the meat materials. However, the materials really allow me to work in fresh ways. So it's, it's, it's become a really effective method for me to make a lot of work, make a lot of different work, and yet there's still some sort of sense of relevance to the different bodies. I try to be as creative as I can. Um, I'm, I'm all about embracing accidents and um, intuitive ideas. Um, I'm, I'm uh, very much of the school of uh, well, what if, what if I tried this? What if I turned this upside down or backwards or, or glued the backside to the front side, that sort of thing. It's, it's all intuitive and, and I've grown, I think, a lot in my practice because of that approach. I draw, I, I paint, um, I use um, acetates, um, just about anything that's left in my studio. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite a pack rat in my studio where I've been for the last 30 some odd years is just masses of piles of um, materials. And uh, I'm never wanting um, new um materials to incorporate into my work and i and i feel a huge responsibility to really do the best i can to use them all um, while i'm still functioning i'm really driven to uh creating a document of our experience um so consequently um i reference a lot of um um headlines and newspaper articles that sort of thing because i just think it's there's so many interesting things that are happening in our lives right now um, that I, I don't want it to be lost. So if there's is something, um, an image that really captures me, then I'll, uh, I'll cut it out and really start to examine it. I'll do drawings of it. Um, I'll, uh, I could do uh, transfer drawings. So using uh, an acrylic medium, I can, um, then turn it over and play with it and then peel it off and get the reverse. I love that kind of torn and, and beaten up imagery that uh, kind of implies time and that sort of thing, the temporal aspects.
but I'll uh, uh, eventually come out with a um, paper collage that has bits and pieces of, of um, the experience that really seem to resonate with me. I love to create this idea of um, not being able to know what you're looking at. I love that sense of what is that? How, how do you do that? Um, I really love the immediacy of painting in acrylic and then within you know 10 minutes it'll be dry and I can go the other way and cross hatching. I just love that kind of quickness. Um, so um, yeah, for the larger scale plexi pieces, um, acrylic is for me the best way to do it. If I want to embrace more of a narrative, then I will utilize um, um, kind of more readable images, um, you know, uh, figurative images that um, somehow will kind of tell the story. But right now I'm just really interested in uh, generally into um, abstraction. I am a firm believer that it's my responsibility to be um, as prepared to do hard work in the studio as humanly possible to, do, to bring out the best in the materials that I'm working with. Um, as I say, I still look around the studio and I still have piles of material that I haven't really explored yet. And I know that um, I definitely want to engage with them all, but it's my responsibility to show up on time in the morning to uh, get a restful sleep the night before, to perhaps have enough coffee, uh, but just to get in there and work really, really hard like, the, like it's the last day um, to do the work you know i just love the idea of um challenging myself and being totally surprised by what can be achieved when it comes to acrylics i mean i love the tonal values of uh golden i really have a hard time with the lids <laughs> i'm kind of messy and their lids never go back on the way they should not like liquitex or other ones uh, I love Liquitex, you know, gorgeous, big, saturated colors. Uh, in some cases, I'll just go with, um, as I do shop at Opus, um, school grades or minimal. Uh, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, generally, though, when it comes to paintings, uh, the underpainting is an acrylics. So that's less of an issue. And then I usually go on uh, for the richness of oils on top of it. Jack Shadbolt, when he passed away, I... Um, his wife, Doris, asked me to clean out his studio. So I inherited a lot of Jack's ancient oils um, and I've still been using those. And they're all, um, you know, old English oils that um, are still really uh, gorgeous and delicious. And I, uh, I feel a real responsibility to kind of carry Jack's voice forward somehow by using his uh, materials. His, his level of confidence and freedom in creating work um, is something that I, that I really aspire to. And somehow, yeah, that, that does come through with, um, it's, it's an ethos that I think is important to keep embracing with my work. It's just to keep falling forward confidently, to work unselfconsciously, to work confidently, um, and then just put the work away. You know, just make make work and then put it aside and then don't look at it again for a little while somehow. 
I have learned a few things um, over the course of my life. Um, I, I guess the, the fact of being able to have a store of uh, interesting materials that really captivate your imagination, to be able to work as hard as you can um, in the studio, and then to go out in, in the community and be a member of a community and exchanging ideas. For me, th those are uh, real imperatives that um, I think are essential to my practice and I'm sure for, for a lot of people. Also to be um, keeping an eye or an ear out for new materials, how um, new technologies um, might be able to be used. Uh, I think we're, we're, there's such a, um, such an opportunity for artists to create work in new ways. And I think being current as an artist is, is really um, uh, an important thing as well. Originally from Japan, Misako Flodin is an oil pastel artist based in Vancouver. With a background in digital media and print illustration, she now works out of a home studio, pushing the boundaries of detail with what she can create through her oil medium. Misako's portraits are distinguished by signature vibrant undertones, bringing out the best of Pastel's potential. My name is Misako Hladin. I started making art with oil pastels two years ago. Back then, I only worked with digital art, but I always admired the energy that physical art has. So I decided to give physical medium a try. I immediately fell in love with oil pastels because of how versatile it is. The applying process is technically drawing, but depending on how you treat them, you can create art that resembles oil paintings. I like to use green, blue, purple, other than skin tones in my portrait. I think it makes portraits more insightful and lively, and that makes want you to stare at the paintings more. I use a lot of blending techniques to achieve a rich textured portrait. I mainly use my fingers to smooth out the texture. The body heat of your fingers helps warm up the oil pastel and make it more malleable. Also, I use paper towels, cotton swabs, blending stumps, and brushes with linseed oil. I use my fingers because it's I can feel the surface more precisely and I can, I feel like I can control more area that I'm blending into. I normally use pastel paper or mixed media paper, but I recently started using wood panels as a canvas for my painting. Yeah, it's kind of challenging to paint on wood, wood since the softness of the pastels affect how much pigment you can apply to the surface. But the most exciting part of using the wood panel is the unique sounds they make when you apply your pastels. And I find it very therapeutic. So the wood panel is much harder than pastel paper. So you might want to get a solid foundation of pastel pigments at first. So Mingyo oil pastel is good for that because they're smooth enough to be able to blend but also it has enough firmness to grip onto the wood. I'm still in the process of discovering the possibilities of oil pastel. So I sometimes feel the pressures of pressure of making mistakes, 
but the tool I use makes my drawing process enjoyable and forgiving. Allowing myself to have fun and create what exactly I want to convey in my art. When I was working only with digital art or digital medium, you can just undo things easily. So my finger was always used to pressing like undo button. But when I first started using oil pastel or even just pencils, like I couldn't just go back to the time and fix whatever I want. When you draw onto the paper, you can actually see the texture that you cannot see in digital art. So the physical connection and like seeing pigment in person is just so exciting. It was so exciting to me at first. Initially, I wanted to start oil paintings, but back then I it was too intense um, because I had to get like so many materials and tools to just start it with oil, oil painting. So oil pastel was a kind of an alternative or just trying to get to know physical medium, but it turned turn out to be my like main medium that I use that I really like. Yeah. I started using charcoal pencil with oil pastel. And one day I was drawing with a charcoal pencil and realized that its texture and how they grip on a pastel paper are similar to black oil pastel. So I decided to combine them together. It gives steps to the monochrome drawing, and I loved how you could see that which texture on the paper. Since I don't know, I don't have much experience with physical medium, the versatility of oil pastel allows me to just have fun and not think about, like, oh, I have to make a good art or something that is presentable to everyone. So I don't feel that kind of pressure with oil pastel. So the more experienced you become, the more you discover new techniques, and it gives you the flexibility to create more detailed images. So oil pastels don't require many materials to paint, but they're easy to adapt to other tools, and you can customize what tools you want to use, and it directly affects how much you can express on your canvas. Yeah, I only used my fingers when I first started, and I couldn't make any detailed portraits. But now I have three to five tools or materials that are essential to my process. So I use paper towel to intimate big brush stroke or just blend out oil pastels and tulkulan cotton swabs to blend uh, tiny detailed areas. And I use linseed oil with brushes to like blend furthermore. I actually started using brushes recently. Uh, I only use the really cheap brushes that are from, I don't remember about dollar store, but I do wanna use, uh, it's a more high quality brush, doesn't take up too much pigments from oil pastel. So yeah, I think I should expand with brushes more. I also want to use a color shaper, which is used for shaping clays. 
So it's that's not painting materials, but you can adapt even like clay shaping materials to create art with oil pastel since some of the oil pastels are almost feels like clay texture shaping sculpting the surface with color shaper or something yeah i think i could do that in the future uh it's a paul rubens oil pastels they're very firm and it's a totally different oil pastel from senelier or mingo senelier worked with mingo really well they almost feel like a lipstick and so creamy that blends into so many, so many surfaces. So you can expand your variety of colors by using Sennelier. I use Paul Rubens to create backgrounds, like a large area large areas of my portrait because they're kind of affordable to use and you can get so many of a bunch of colors from them so you don't have to feel like wasting the pastel too much and their their texture is almost clay so it's more easy to peel up the texture surface easily Sennelier and Mingo works for more detailed areas, whereas eyes, nose, lips that requires much more pigments or colors and details. So it's easy to control them because they're really soft. It's been fascinating to speak with Angela, Chico and Misako. And I'm looking forward to exploring more mediums and materials with more artists as we continue this series. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as me and will join us next month when we'll be discussing the art essentials. Thanks to everyone for taking part and of course to all of you for listening. Till next time. <laughs>